The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Good morning, gentlemen. Good to see you all. And Don, you brought a special guest with you today. Yes, Tom Ventigam is our, our guest. And yes, he's all the way from Winnipeg, our head office there. He is our Senior Vice President of Private Wealth Management Division. So basically looks after teams such as ours, um, the you know, the Fox team. And as we look after our, our private, our high net worth clients, he is kind of looking after the people that look after them, I guess would be a mm-hmm. way to look at things. And Tom, I know... Uh, you were just uh, in the, our neck of the woods um, discussing things on advisors and the high net worth clients you you look after or more or less look after. You're kind of like a like a, a farmer, you know, or, you know, big hat, no cattle. <laughs> That'd be a fair comment, Don. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how, how is the mood of our high net worth Canadians these days? Well, first of all, thanks for uh, having me on the, the on your call today or your show today, Don. Uh, it's great to be uh, in Hamilton. Uh, don't get out of here often, but uh, certainly good to be here today. Um, it's it's interesting uh, this the topic of sort of the mood of the high net worth Canadian out there. We we had uh, just undertaken a a bit of a research paper on it and uh, just plowing through it. And 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 what I thought was really interesting as I went through some of the the data is that uh, you know the the sense was or really the ask was is that you know, for individuals that would be considered high, high net worth. And, and for our purposes, we're saying, you know, someone's got over a million dollars of investable assets. So they might have a net worth of two or $3 million. Um, and, and the questions really were directed around it. Has this whole notion of COVID, um, you know, the, the, the things that have been going on in the economy in the last uh, few months and, and, and last year or so, what has that done to the mood or to the, I, I, I guess, the, planning uh, efforts of, of folks in, in that manner. And, and so I thought there was a couple of things that came out of that were really interesting. The first one is that most people aren't overly stressed. So people in this situation, they're saying, well, you know, we're, we're not really too worried, but we do have some specific concerns. And, and the specific concerns are things like inflation, because if we think about it, this is the first time we've seen inflation rates like this uh, uh, for many people, um, you know, in their investing lifetime, and and then for others, it's it's been a long time since you've seen uh, inflation of six and seven percent. And so the question when you start planning into your retirement, which oftentimes, as you know, and, and your callers would know, is, is is quite long term, that can have a pretty significant impact if you've been planning things at a two percent inflation rate, and all of a sudden that triples. Um, you really got to start thinking about what that's going to do for you. And people are saying that that's a concern. Um, the other one is the economy itself. Um, you know, are we going into a recession? Are we in a recession? And when will we come out of a recession? And and really the impact on on, on their wealth and the growth of their wealth or the, or the sustainability of their wealth. And those are kind of the two things that they 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 worry about. The uh, the other points of the survey that I, I thought were pretty relevant is that the folks we talked to, almost seventy five percent of them actually had a financial advisor. And so they're all basically saying we have financial advisors, but when we dug into it um, and started asking them about retirement plans, like, do you have something that is 
you know, documented for you as you go into this, uh, 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 you're either in retirement or, or, or planning retirement. Um, do you have a written document that kind of outlines for you your cash flow, your tax, you know, where are your sources of funds and stuff like that? Well over 50% that said they had nothing of, 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 of that nature at all. And I think, Don, you, you, you'd know this as well. Like uh, the challenge for a lot of Canadians is that they have an investment statement, but they don't have a financial plan. And I think it's right. times like this that people get tested. Um, inflation rates go up, markets go down. We hit a recession and, and people are looking at an investment statement and they're going, oh my God, it's down, but they're not overlaying that with a financial plan that you put in place for them that says, you know, there is a path forward. And, and I and, and exactly what we often talk about on this show there, Tom, is about that investment statement is not a financial plan. And I think there's a certain extent that people think of an investment advisor that, that is very narrowly focused that is a financial plan. And there's a massive difference from the holistic planning that we offer on a daily basis versus simply, here's my investments, how do I invest? Yeah, but it, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, when we were uh, talking earlier, I, I mentioned that I was at a conference yesterday and it was, um, it was uh, a top advisor conference. So it was the recognition of, of some of the um, advisors across Canada and, and in the table talk, which I, I thought was really interesting. And these are advisors uh, throughout, not just with IG, but these are advisors oh, this with is, everybody, yeah. everybody, the every, industry. Firm, every firm out there sort of thing. And, uh, but the table talk was really interesting because uh, the notion was, you know, that everybody had been fairly narrow, narrowly focused on investments and, and the conversations were around planning and financial planning and how they were going to bring that into their businesses. And I know that, uh, you know, for individuals like yourself and Mitch, you've been doing this for you know, for yourself, I think, you know, probably 30, 35 years now, Don. Right. <laughs> 37. I'm, not, I'm just I'm counting. Not old, but I think, <laughs> I, I'm saying, I think we started in the business about the same time. So, mm-hmm. um, but it, but it's really interesting that people are waking up to the fact that financial planning and the integrated, uh, more holistic planning is, is as important or more important than the actual uh, financial statement or the, the, the investment statement. And, and these are top advisors. So, so I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, what percentage of people out there, and now the survey is telling us it's well over 50%, don't have anything. So they don't have something that says, you know, if interest rates go up, what happens? If interest rates go down, what's happened? If we go into a recession, what's the impact? If, you know, where am I, where are these sources of my income? What's, you know, what's the most tax efficient way of getting money out of different buckets? And I, you know, it, it, it's funny, I look at my own situation as, as an example, because I'm, I'm literally right in the middle of the baby boomers, kind of at that, that, that age, um, you know, I've had some success over time financially. So I got, you know, a little bit of money put away. I got, we have, you know, rental properties and, you know, all, all the things that sort of come into play and I'm in the industry and I look at my own retirement looking forward and say, okay, now where are my sources of income? How am I going to draw them out? And uh, I would say if I didn't have something on paper in front of me where my advisor had put in place something that said, you know, these are your options and this is the most efficient way to pull assets and pull income and, you know, defer your CPP or don't defer your CPP. Take, you know, all of these decisions that you have to make, uh, pretty tough to do in a napkin, pretty tough to, to get off of my investment statements. And you really need something that actually does kind of test the, all, all these assumptions. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, you, you were talking this morning, uh, you know, you're saying you've got some clients where you've had to change their or adjust their plan two or three times this year. And, and I would be one of those people because 
if I was making an assumption uh, a year ago, the 2% inflation, and now all of a sudden we're looking at six, you know, you need to test that in your plan and say, well, uh, what if interest rates go up? What if they go down? What if inflation stays? What if it goes? And, and uh, I think to me, th that really came out of both this research I saw and the uh, conference I, attend I attended saying, it's important. Like people need to get this in place and they need to see what's, what things look like going forward for themselves. And you're very close to this, you know, based on your role, dealing with people every day. But from a, it's kind of interesting, you put the client's eyes on right now and their yeah. goggles. And now you're saying, okay, you are now 63 coming up. You, you have retirement and your, your horizon. That's when the risk is. And this is where planning is so important. The peace of mind, for one, just yeah. knowing, am I going to be okay? And how do we make it the most efficient as possible? Because I know as, in, as inflation rates go up and down, we cannot control those. But we can control the tax efficiency of the plan. And that's a hidden cost of any financial plan if they're not doing it right. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. I, I, I love your language there because to me, you said, you know, the language, am I going to be okay? You know, that's sort of the first question I'm asking myself. I'm, I'm looking at this and say, um, am I going to be all right? And if I check the box to that, then my next question is now what's the most efficient way to do things? And I think some people look at it and I look at an investment statement and say, you know, I've got a million dollars or 2 million or five or 10 or whatever that number is. And I might look at that and say, I think I'm going to be okay, but never get into the conversation as to how do I efficiently get money out of these different programs. And, and, and so for individuals, for example, if I've got a, you know, a corporation and I've got a, a pension plan and I, I might have, uh, registered savings. I might have non-registered savings, TFSAs, uh, stocks, securities, things of that nature. Uh, it, it really does become a question that there is a sequence of events that take place where it's much more efficient to take money out of certain programs first. And oftentimes it's not what you think. I, I, I've seen plans where people would say, you know, draw down your non-registered investments first and defer your registered investments. I've seen the exact opposite recommendations being given legitimately for people that are in different situations where they should be pulling money out of their registered investments first and then deferring the use of their non-registered till, till a later date. So it's just, to me, I, I, I just, these two things in the last uh, you know, couple of days have really cemented for me the values that uh, certainly a team like yourself would bring to the table for, for anyone that's listening to this call is sitting down and saying like, what is the roadmap? What, what, what are the what ifs? You know, am I going to be okay? I think those are all great questions and, and really good points you made. And, uh, you know, that's a, a really interesting point. A lot of the times you get advice, but they don't back it up. They don't actually put the numbers to a test. Does, you know what? Should we take the non-registered out first? Should we tax actually tax-free savings accounts first? Should we look at the RSPs first? And how does this impact on old age security or maybe clawback, et cetera, deferring Canada pension plan? You get all this kind of off the hip advice quite often, or even advice that isn't off the hip, it's from advisors per se, but they didn't actually put it through the test and put it through the software to say, does this really work? And it's absolutely incredible when you then say, I'm gonna put this through our software our LPP, it's called in our, in our company, and see how it works. And you can do one, okay, let's do it your way versus this way. And you can see a, the monetary value difference as you age doing it one way versus the other way. And it can be dramatic. Yeah, oh, for sure. I, and, 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 and I think your point there is that really, until you see something modeled out, um, 
the notion of sort of that rule of thumb being that, you know, you should do 6% of this or you should have 20% of that. Um, those are just rules of thumb. Um, when you model it in a software program, uh, certainly you're, you're no longer making it a rule of thumb. You're saying in this particular situation with this individual, with the objectives and goals that they have and the tax situation they're in and the estate concerns that they may or may not have, um, these are all things that um, you can test for. So um, I, I, I would say, you know, uh, my advice for today really would be uh, for anyone that's in that situation is really to, to sit down and go through that exercise um, and, and, and do it properly. It's, it's, it's not a piece of paper. It's, it's a planning process you go through. It, it doesn't take 15 minutes. It, it takes some time and commitment, but the outcome is, is that peace of mind. It's, it's knowing that you're going to be okay or knowing that you, you might have to work for another year or two, or you might yeah. have to lower your expectations around retirement. So um, thank you very much for having me today. Well, it's, it's certainly our, our pleasure to have you here, Tom, and, and thanks for dropping by. But you know what? You made a couple of good points there. This is too important just to leave it as rules of thumb and, and to go through the plan and, you know, personal financial planning. Let's stress the personal side. This is all about you specifically or the person across the table in their specific situation, because there is no rule of thumbs to that. Yeah, there's some averages, but you know what? At the end of the day, when we're sitting across from a client, with their specific situation, we don't use rules of thumb. <laughs> okay, we're using, here's strategies that work and we've stress test these for your situation given the most efficient method that we can come up with. And really that's what personal financial planning is all about. But again, Tom, thanks for dropping by. It's great to have your insights, not only as, you know, as, as a senior vice president of private wealth management, but also as a client to have their, your insights as somebody who's nearing that same kind of retirement um, anxiousness, if you will. Yeah. Well, it was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Don. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. Our special guest, Tom Van Tegen with us, Senior VP of Private Wealth Management for IG. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, we're going to talk about your time in the market. And I guess this is something more for younger listeners to uh, pay attention to. Yeah, thanks, Scott. And uh, this is why young investors should really be patient instead of trying to time the market. Uh, the last few years have been pretty crazy, to say the least. We've had a pandemic with mandates, shutdowns, uh, Canadian and U.S. election. And this year's been more so the recovery of measures that were in put in place during COVID. And markets have really been about inflation and rising interest rates to try and battle the inflation that we're really dealing with this year. But for the most part, it's been tolling for many people. Negativity is very contagious. And eight out of 10 news articles are typically negative. So you find a lot of people are reading the news to be very negative and think the market's just going to keep going down. 
and not necessarily when it's ever going to recover. They, no one knows, no one even thinks it may. Some people think this time is different and it may not recover. Many indexes are down anywhere between 10 to even as high as 30%. If you're looking at the US NASDAQ chart, the S&P is still down 17% right now. And this can be tricky to have a hands-off approach and not get the itch to want to try and take money out and put it on the side and then quote unquote, put it back in when it's safe. But I was reading an article and novelist David Foster had an interesting story relating to time. Uh, so there are these two young fish swimming along. They happen to meet an older fish swimming the other way who nods to them and says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish swim on for a little bit. And then eventually one of them looks at the other and goes, what, what the hell is water? <laughs> 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 what, what, what does this have to do with financial planning was my first thought but david wallace pointed out that this story shows the most obvious important reality are often ones that are hardest to see and talk about both in life and investing one of the most important realities is time so despite its importance time is it's impossible to see but it's always something worth talking about and 100 percent should be discussed with your financial planner it's obvious, but a not so obvious part of every single financial plan. Everyone wants to make money when they invest. That's pretty obvious. No one wants to see their money go down. But what is the money for? When do you want to achieve that? Is that a realistic time frame? Is it is it time that you can retire? Is it time to have a kid? Or is it time good time to put money in the market? There's so many questions in relation to time. And there's I just want to talk about a few here. But let's focus on the market and how staying in the market market is really important rather than trying to time it. Invested money grows exponentially thanks to compound interest. The combination of a reasonable rate of return and staying invested will result in a satisfying creation of wealth. Uh, your return will become more consistent and predictive as time goes on and you stay invested. Uh, one, two, three, or even five-year return is really not all that predictable. You can look at the last few years, you can go up 20% or even this year, many people are seeing 15, 20% negative returns year to date. It's on a year to year basis, it's just not very predictable. But if you're looking at a long-term return, that is far more predictable. If you're looking at a 10, 20, 30 year return, the line on the graph is gonna be a lot straighter with less volatility than if you're looking at a one to five year time horizon. But we sometimes live the way of the fish, and uh, ignore time. We tend to ignore that. And that is why financial planners are needed to keep people in line with their time frames and to many times manage the emotions of investing versus the logic of time framing. Uh, a long-term long uh, long rate of return will likely fall between six and 10%, but on any given year that could go down 10, it could go up 20 falling. But if you're looking at the longer time horizon, you should look around six to eight percent on a year-on basis so let's assume you get a long-term rate of return of eight percent per year uh, that will multiply that's going to multiply your money 2.2 times over 10 years okay so that means you basically double it a little bit more than double over 10 years however if you leave it invested for 30 years it's now gone 10 times its worth so if you have $100,000 and you leave it for 30 years and it earns 8% per year, your $100,000 is now worth $1,006,000. And that's without putting another dollar in. And that's the best formula for financial security and freedom is to multiply 
time times compound interest. The longer time and more the the more the money has the time to work to grow for you and work for you. The more it is touch and metal with with trying to time the market, the less chance it has of working out. Well, you know what, uh, Mitch, absolutely. You know, Einstein said man's greatest invention is compound interest, but it's hard to fathom it. Like you, you just mentioned how it, it's 10 times over 30 years. You know, it's hard to put ourselves, well, what about this and what about that? And we have a lot of commentary about those 30 years. But at the end of the day, you're going to get 10 times your money at an 8% return over 30 years. Yeah. And just a more recent example here. So let's look at uh, last week, October 10th, we had the biggest day since April 2020. Uh, you saw the S&P go up 5.5% um, in one day. But what, what does that 5.5% really mean? And what's the difference of if you were waiting for that inflation data to come out and maybe seeing if it would if it would drop or if it would pump and or what would the difference be if you were just in the market and you just had a hands-off approach so if you had someone who had a hundred thousand dollars and they they were in that market they got that five and a half percent return on that day they now have a hundred five thousand five hundred dollars and it's compared to someone who's on the sideline waiting trying to time the market and they saw it go up five and a half percent and they they want okay well it's safe now i'll throw it in so they put the money in the following day and let's say they get a five percent rate of return for the next 30 years person a who was in the market got that five and a half percent rate of return now has four hundred and fifty six thousand dollars in 30 years and person b who tried to time it now has four hundred and thirty two thousand dollars it's a difference of $24,000 extrapolated over 30 years just by missing that one day. It was it was a huge day, and they're missing out on that just because they missed out on the biggest day in two and a half years. So short-term volatility really can affect a person's judgment, and trying to base your decisions off of news articles is something that I see a lot of people doing and talking to me about, but I don't think they realize that the market's down a lot, and it's actually to put the money in the nasdaq the s p they're down 17 to 30 percent and that's just over a long-term time horizon that's going to go up eventually but it's actually pretty funny I, like don you might back me up on this one but how many calls <laughs> did you get yesterday when uh the market went up five to seven percent because i know i got zero but if you if if the market went down five to seven percent you guarantee you're getting emails and calls yeah <laughs> You're getting a few people that are uh, testing the waters a bit when the market goes down or, or at least they're more anxious. There's no anxiousness, of course, when the market goes up 5% as it did um, just over a week ago. But um, yeah, no, it's um, absolutely it's you know, and we've seen these charts where when somebody misses five of the best days over 10 years and how much difference the rate of return is. And it literally lowers that person's return by about 2% a year. And if you miss 20 no, sorry, 10, uh, 10 of the best days in 10 years, your, your rate of return goes from about 8% down to like 4%. So it's a massive amount. You can't afford to miss those great days. And nobody knows. There was no prediction of these going up in, so, in you know, back on October 10th that quickly. On October 9th, nobody thought it was going to be going up this. It was simply a knee-jerk reaction saying, oh, well, we thought inflation would be 8.2. Now it's 7.7 .7 in the U.S., and well, maybe they won't raise interest rates. And then the market just went, took off. And it's interesting, you know, you go back, this is not new. We, you know, you mentioned something there about um, this time it's different. Well, uh, Sir John Templeton, 
he's long passed away, but he ran his own fund and did extremely well way back, uh, big in the 70s. He was a great investor and a philanthropist. And he had this one saying, the investor who says this time is different has uttered among the four most costly words in the annals of investing. And basically, the same thing you mentioned, how costly is it for somebody to say, this time it's different, I'm going to go on the sidelines. And you miss that 5% day, or and then more so, and then the compounding of that. So there's one article I was reading, actually, to, and it goes back to it. This has often been related to the 1970s, the, the kind of situation we're in. And right on the cover of Life magazine, there's this front page, oh, sorry, the cover, absolutely. It's got a massive bear. And it's got a teeth showing, growling, and it shows inflation, recession, and a frantic bear market. That was the front page on June the 5th, 1970. Now, hmm. I was only seven years old at the time. Okay, and some of the listeners might, I, I wasn't paying a whole lot of attention. I was probably thinking about Bobby Hall and, uh, and different things as a, you know, who's my hockey favorite hockey player at the time. But you know what? These type of things that just go full circle. Now, this is the funny thing of this article is it's talking about this massive and, and creating fear, by the way, of inflation. We're, we're going through that right now. Recession. We're talking about that right now. And our frantic bear market. We're in a bear market. It's down a little over 20 percent. Well, in that case, it had dropped 36 percent. That was the decline of their bear market back in 1970. The, diff the funny thing is, though, the bottom was May 26th. This was printed <laughs> June the 5th. <laughs> it was our, we are, back in 1970, they already hit the bottom, but nobody knew it. And there's no bells that go off when the bottom is going to happen. There's no bells that go off when we hit the top. And so the whole idea of marking timing, it cannot be done. But boy, there is a lot of conversations about it, especially when in down markets. It's funny enough, we did not have a lot of conversations last year when the markets were going up. We did not get calls saying, you know what, um, what should we do now, Don? Mitch, what should we do? The market's going up like crazy. You know, that we don't get those conversations. But the emotion of dropping markets is twice that of a rising market. And so it's 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 an interesting idea. All we have to do is real and, and again uh, nick murray who i follow a lot and he's a behavioral investor he basically quotes nobody knows nothing <laughs> and when it comes to markets the market cannot be timed number one number two buy equities when you have money don't buy equities when you think it's a good time because you're going to miss all the good times nobody knows and, and number three everything else is commentary and filling up space as is the front page of June 5th, 1970, and we are getting the same kind of commentary now. So really, at the end of the day, real financial planning is about mitigating risks. We have capital risk, and capital risk is what everybody worries about. That is the market, oh boy, goes up and down, and what if I lose money in the market? That's capital risk, and that's the one everybody's concerned about. Funny enough, if you start stretching out your lens, is it a one-day risk? Is it a one-year risk? What about a 10-year risk? When was the last time the market had a negative 10 years? And if you're, look, if you're 65 and you're saying, okay, for the rest of my life, 
And as a segment not too long ago, we talked about people living to 100. So that's 35 years of risk. What should you be investing in? Well, going back to this 1970, had you put $10,000 back on that day of that nice big bear picture, by the way, the um, S&P 500 was 76. Now, I'm, I have to repeat that. It was 76. Uh, oh right God. now, it is nearly, it's about 3,900, the S&P, since that point. So it's hard to believe it was actually 76. So had you invested $10,000 back then, your average rate of return over the next 52 years would have been 10.7%. And that $10,000 would be worth $2 million today, 50 years later, without adding a penny with simply and reinvesting the dividends. You shouldn't have spent all your money on hockey cards, Don. <laughs> <laughs> I've wasted a lot of money. And, and today you'd probably call Pokemon cards or Beanie Babies in the past or whatever happens to be the case. But you know what? It's absolutely incredible. So you look at the average house back in 1970 in Canada was $17,000. And remember, we talked about real estate being the best investment. Well, the average house now in Canada is well short of a million. Now, I know you got to live somewhere. You cannot live in your investment portfolio. But if you simply, and again, you don't have to repair your investment portfolio either. You don't have to fix, you don't have to pay for insurance. You don't have to fix roofs or renovate kitchens. It just, it just is invest, invested and it goes up. So you look at real estate over that time. I don't know what the average house is in Canada now. It's well short of a million. But had you put half that money in, instead of 17,000, you only put 10,000 in, it'd be worth over $2 million today. And so I just find it fascinating how this time it's different, as you mentioned, Mitch. And every time we keep going over the same circles and it's emotion that drives us. And so capital risk is one. Inflation risk is, of course, another one. Taxation risk is another one we talk about every day. Interest rate risk. What if interest rates go up? What if they go down? Cash flow management. Um, when should we take money out? How should we take it out? And in which also goes into links with taxation risk. And number, I think one of the biggest risks that we, again, would probably be like your story, Mitch, with the fish, is longevity <laughs> risk. What if we live to 100? And that is what holistic financial planning is all about. So the proven always works. And remember, every folks, you know, remember, this time is not different. I'm never going to look at my fish tank again, you know. Um, <laughs> we are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break. We're coming right back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Inflation, uh, rising costs, interest rates. How much does it cost to live nowadays? Do we, do we have any idea? <laughs> <laughs> well lots of research has been done that's for sure and it's been a financial double bite actually is the new terms that i read the other day because it's getting you from two sides here inflation is going up and so are interest rates 
So if you look at a stick of margin right now, it actually went up 50% more than it did two years ago. Advertised rents are on average $100 a month more than when they were in 2020, which was already an expensive year to be a new tenant. And even with the fixed mortgage not changing yet, there's all, all these renewals that are coming up and these first time renewers are gonna be in for a huge shock when that comes up. So in Canada and uh, other parts of the world, many people are having their budget eaten away on both sides. On one side, interest rates are rising very rapid rate, which increases borrowing costs throughout the economy. On the other side, inflation is running at a multi-high and multi-decade high. Uh, central banks are pushing in Interest rates higher to try and force consumers and businesses to stop spending as much and borrow less. But this is going to take some time. And I mean, if you look at where we were the last two years, it's been a pandemic and people, many people haven't been able to spend that much money because they haven't been able to go away. And they actually, they're pent up and want to go to these places. So even if they're rising the interest rates, it's going to take a little bit more time for these to come down because people are also itchy to get out of the town out of the country and actually have some fun and live their life a bit because they've been saving if you look at retirees they've been saving their whole life to kind of enjoy their go-go years as we talk about in their retirement and uh, so far inflation still remains high and i think uh, the pandemic's definitely been a big part of that and people have been pent up uh, interest rates keep rising and now canada is up to 3.75 percent by the bank of canada the highest level since 2008 the payments on mortgages and loans have gotten much higher and continue as well. So how much more are Canadians paying just to get by these days? The cost of feeding a family of four in 2021 was on average $265 per week, which is about $13,780 per year. And according to National Estimates by Canada Food Price Report, the weekly average is now $296 a week, which is $31 more and about $1,612 more spent per year on groceries from 2022 versus 2021. At 2020 prices, someone would now be able to buy just 80% of an apple, a chicken, or a can of pop. <laughs> wow. So, and that's shrinkflation. That's what they're doing. They're shrinking the cans to 80%. So it doesn't, we don't notice it much difference. My chicken yeah. only has legs. It has no breasts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't see, I don't see many people shrinking by 20%. So, so which products are increasing the most in the grocery store? Margin is number one at 51%. Uh, other edible fats and oils, 40%. Sugar and maple syrup, 29%. I like Canada must just love their maple syrup. It's rising that much. They, they need their waffles and pancakes. Uh, Non-alcoholic beverages, 25.2%. Jam and jelly, 25%. Apples, 22.2%. Fresh frozen poultry, 20%. Roast and ground coffee at 205 and tea at 20%. So that's a lot of increases right there. And it's only been such a short amount of time. But gas has also been a big topic this year. Uh, that's not cheap. And gasoline is, they're coming off their summer record highs, but still filling a 50 liter tank still costs $13. Uh, more towards the end of October than it did last year in October. And if you drive a large SUV, it'll be $20 or $30 more per tank just to fill up. That's that's a significant amount of money when you really extrapolate, especially with people starting to go more into work. Uh, I know remote and hybrid work still there, but if you have to drive all the time, that's a lot of tanks filled and that's a lot of dollars. 
And it's interesting. Um, yeah, it has to, it's taking its toll. People are having to make different decisions. I think I heard somebody say, well, you know what, there goes my, I'm going to take my Disney plus, uh, you know, it's $13 a month. You know, it seems that was Christia Freeland, our deputy prime minister saving the country by canceling her Disney. Boy, I never thought of that. I'm going to cancel my Disney and with all the money I'm saving, I can fly to Disney. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like I look at my mother um, and again, this is old school, but turning off the lights. Of course, it saves hydro. But, you know, with the LED lights, it probably doesn't save as much as it used to. But you're seeing some stresses on Party City. You know, those retirement parties or Party City stock went down about 40 percent a few weeks ago because there's the less demand for those parties. So there people are making adjustments because of the inflation there, Mitch. Yeah, and rents, rents one of the biggest ones also. 20, uh, it's gone up from $1,763 a month uh, last year for the average rent in Canada to now $2,043 a month in September, up 15% from a year ago. And that's a massive increase. If you're looking at a whole year of rent, you're spending on average $24,500 per year that's going towards rent. And this is after tax dollars as well, versus what it used to be at $21,200 per year. That's $3,300 on average that people are spending more on rent. And that's just massive. If people are trying to save and they have to rent, so they're trying to save to buy a down payment and now they have to rent, that's $3,300 less that you can put into your TFSA or other accounts to save for your down payment. So the best thing to do to deal with this is to sit down with a financial advisor that has their CFP and go through cash flow, goals, time frame, and put a good plan in place. They'll always make these times easier. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Going to take a quick break here. We're coming back. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML. We are planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox are here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. All right, with uh, rising costs and inflation and everything, um, what sort of tax strategy do we need in difficult times? Any different here? You know what? There's always ways to try to make things a little bit better or try to make things more efficient in your, your particular situation. And one, if, you're, if you own a corporation, one area that you can get some funds from your corporation is from what they call a capital dividend account, a CDA. Now, capital dividends are tax-free. So when you take these funds out of your corporation, you do not have to pay tax on them. So it's usually a benefit to do this. And you know what, if you, you've got some things you need to do at this stage or and you're trying to get some funds and you don't wanna increase your own personal income, which would again, just increase your taxes, uh, and you'll end up paying, you know, and again, in today's scenario where inflation's hitting a little harder, yes, it, it may make sense at this stage to look at your capital dividend account. So there's two ways to build up your capital dividend account. One is, I don't recommend, but it's life insurance. Okay, I recommend getting life insurance, but it's not one way to get that because you will not be the one getting it. So if somebody has to pass away, but again, if say, uh, 
you know, it's a joint corporation and there, and one of your, your partner passed away and you're, you're left with this corporation, there would be money in your capital dividend account. This is great estate planning um, to use life insurance within a corporation because your spouse can then, it, the money will come flow right out of there and pay for a lot of the taxes to dissolve your corporation. Um, so this is a great strategy for that, but not a great strategy on a year to year basis because obviously you, you can't die time and time again. So it's a one shot deal. But from the other way is by selling investments. And so when you sell investments, there will be a capital gain. Well, half the capital gain is taxable to the corporation. The other half is tax-free. Well, that tax-free portion is part of the capital dividend account. And that can flow through to you personally without tax. And so your accountant will keep track of all these over the time, over, over the years. And you don't do this every year, but it's, it's almost like harvesting it. You'll harvest those, those tax-free dividends. And it's, you have to pay a little bit of money to get the accountant to do this, but it's well worth it. And so if there's say $50,000 you can take out, what an opportunity to take the funds out tax-free. They're already there, particularly if you're you have cash in, in your corporation now, and you're just trying to find a way to get bring it into your personal life without paying tax. Now, on the other hand, you don't necessarily want to sell investments within your corporation. So let's say you have investments, uh, stock portfolio within the corporation. If you sell them and there's a capital loss, the same thing happens to your capital dividend account. The loss will go against it. So again, goes helps helps increase your capital dividend account. A loss will actually reduce your capital dividend account. So you really want to watch that um, because again, this is coveted. You really want to use those funds to yourself personally, and it's a great way to do it. Number two would be donations. Um, charities are are one of the ones that get hurt in high inflationary times. People often tighten up, uh, and rightfully so. They have to look at where do we cut, and charities are, are, are often the ones that get hurt the most and particularly food banks. So if you feel that there's an option now for you to make a donation to a charity, I'm sure it would be appreciated. It's always appreciative, but even more so during, during times such as this. Um, now, if you're going to do it though, you can donate money, which is one way, or you can donate shares. So in Ontario, if you donated $1,000, you would save approximately 400 in tax. Now, if you donate shares and there's a large capital gain in those, uh, you've held these shares for a long time. And let's say you spent, you you're, you originally invested $100, now worth $1,000. That would be a $900 capital gain. Well, you can donate those shares and you do not have to pay the tax. You don't have to pay the capital gains on that. So in, in reality, you're not only saving the $400 of a donation expense, you're also saving $225 if you're in the highest tax bracket on that capital gain that you would have to eventually pay by cashing in those shares. So great opportunity this year um, to make those donations. Number three is gifts. Employees are hurting, um, if, you, if you run a corporation, employees are hurting as, as everybody is with the higher inflation rates right now. And what, here's an op opportunity to buy something for them as a non-cash gift, okay? So you can gift up to $500, including tax, to your employees. And it's a tax deduction to your corporation, but it is tax-free to the employee. And on top of that, you can also do a long service value of the same amount, $500 or less, every five years. So if it's been over five years since you last gave a, 
a, uh, a non-cash gift, you not only can give a $500 gift to them, um, and again, you find out what their wish list is. It's Christmas around the corner. Maybe you want to, you give them, you can spend up to $500, including tax. What would you like? They go shopping, they get it, and, you, and the company pays for it. And that there alone, you give them the gift. Um, but on top of that, you can do another 500 for long service. So it's a total of $1,000. It cannot be gift certificates, stocks, anything that can be converted to cash easily. So at the end of the day, the inflation has already been bad enough, as Mitch pointed out. But tax only amplifies this pain. And so we, there's been a couple of tax brackets that, are not, that have not been indexed by the inflation rates. And that is the $150,000 mark and the $220,000 mark. And so those have been just set in stone. So every year, people are crossing over those thresholds into higher tax brackets. So that amplifies the situation as well as inflation. So you add those two together, you can see why it's so important to do proper tax planning and, and talk to your financial planner at this stage. We have been planning your financial future. I'm Scott Thompson. Don Fox and Mitch Fox have been here from Fox Group Private Wealth Management. You can find out more at donfox.net. You can call them at IG Private Wealth Management at 905-972-7420. Another great show, gentlemen. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of 900 CHML.